Good evening, and as you know, um, we've been looking at the book of Job. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open uh, Job chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 1 of Job chapter 10. I loathe my life, therefore I will give free rein to my complaint, and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me, but tell me, what changes you have what charges you have against me? Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands, while you smile on the schemes of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal, or your years like those of a man? That you must search out my faults and probe after my sin? Though you know that I am not guilty, and that no one can rescue me from your hand. Your hands shaped me and made me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Remember that you mouldest me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? Do you not pour me out like milk? and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews. You gave me life, and showed me kindness, and in your providence watched over my spirit. But this is what you concealed in your heart, and I know that this was in your mind. If I sinned, you would be watching me, and would not let me um, would not let my offence go unpunished. If I am guilty, woe to me. Even if I am innocent, I cannot lift my head, for I am full of shame and drowned in my affliction. If I hold my head high, you stalk me like a lion and again display your awesome power against me. You bring new witnesses against me, and increase your anger towards me. Your forces come against me, wave upon wave. Why then did you bring me out of the womb? I wish I had died before any eye saw me. If only I had never come into being, or had been carried straight from the womb to the grave. Are not my few days almost over? Turn away from me, so that I can have a moment's joy before I go to the place of no return, to the land of gloom and deep shadow, to the land of deepest night, of deep shadow and disorder, where even the light is like darkness. Well, there's some powerful words there from Job as he prayed. Let's just pray as we come before this passage. Our Father, we do thank you that we have these passages to remind us of who we are and of who you are. And our Father, we just ask that you might give us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, understanding of these difficult words as we consider them in your presence this evening. And we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Job chapter 9, uh, Job chapter 10, and in this chapter, Job continues to answer Bildad. Now, at the end of chapter 9, Job sees himself in a courtroom 
with him as the innocent man standing in the dock and God on the bench pronouncing him guilty. And we read in Job chapter 9, verse 33 to 35, If only were there someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me, so that his terror would not frighten me, would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. You know, last week we looked at this and this reminded us that we have one who is our mediator. and One who continues to be our mediator. And we looked at the verse from 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 in the words of Paul. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. But this evening, let us continue to listen to Job as he states his case. Now, in the eyes of those who see him, he looks guilty. It seems obvious to his friends that God is punishing Job because of his guilt. But Job knows that for whatever reason God has for allowing his suffering to continue, it is not because of guilt. So we come to verse 1 of chapter 10. And Job says, I loathe my life, therefore I will give free rein to my complaints and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. In other words, Job is saying he has nothing left to lose by questioning God. The very fact that he wants answers tells us that he's not giving up. He will challenge God. But in doing it, he will not lose sight of who God is. Job's faith might falter, but it will not fail. In fact, as we follow Job to the end, we will see that his faith is being tested, but being tested like precious metal as he goes through a refining process. Despite the fact that he will not be given the answer to his question. His question, why is it happening to me? He will not be given an answer, but his faith will remain strong. And here he's praying. And you know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, our Father who is in heaven. And you know, this is what Job is doing. He's speaking to his heavenly Father. But he's not losing sight of who God is. So we come to verses 2 and 3. And this is a start of questions that Job is asking of God. He says, why are you doing this to me? So we read this. I say to God, do not declare me guilty, but tell me what charges you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me? to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? Job is saying, you made me. I'm not guilty. But why are you doing this? Is it because it pleases you to see me suffer? While the guilty, the real guilty, seem to go free. And then in verse 4 to 7, there's another question from Job. And he's saying to God, why do you keep looking at me? These are his words. 
Do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal? Are your eyes like those of a strong man? That you must search out my faults and probe after my sin. Though you know that I am not guilty and that no one can rescue me from your hand. You know, these questions that Job is asking, these are what we call rhetorical questions. You see, Job knows that God is not a man who can only see what is on the outside. He knows that God can see right in. He can see everything. And Job says to God, you know that I'm not guilty. And I know that you have the power over everything and everyone. See, Job knows that he is speaking to the all-seeing, the all-knowing, and the all-powerful God. And because he knows this, he can't understand why God is letting these things happen to him, to him of all people. So we come to verses 8 through to 12, and we put the heading over this. Job is saying, Why did you bother to make me? So, verse 8. Your hands shaped me and made me. You will now turn and destroy me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Remember that you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? You gave me life and showed me kindness and in your providence watched over my spirit. You know, these poetic words of Joe, what he's saying, he's saying, you are the potter and I'm just the clay. And he draws a beautiful poetic picture showing the wonders of creation. Within those few verses, we have depicted in a poetic way the wonder of conception, the the, the joy and the miracle of birth and of life and of the provision that God gives. You know, we're reminded of other people who, who saw this in other times that we look at this. Genesis 1, way back in the beginning, in verse 27, when God created Adam. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That is a wonderful thing. And later, David would say in Psalm 139, and in verse 13 through to 14, this is what he said. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. But what is Job referring to when he speaks of this? You see, Job is searching for answers. He's going to ask God, Why did you make me? Did you make me so that... I would suffer. And he's going to draw a dark picture over creation. A picture that will undermine God's purpose. 
We see this in verse 13 through to 17. And Job is saying here, why are things getting worse instead of getting better? And this passage in verse 13 starts with the word but. So this is what Job is saying. But this is what you concealed in your heart. And I know that this was in your mind. If I sinned, you would be watching me and would not let my offence go unpunished. If I am guilty, woe to me. Even if I am innocent, I cannot lift my head, for I am full of shame and drowned in my affliction. So what he's saying here is, if I try to defend my innocence to others, well, I look guilty. So they assume that I am guilty. Then verse 16. If I hold my head high, you stalk me like a lion and again display your awesome power against me. So Job is saying here, even though you know that I am innocent, you still have the power to make me suffer. And then in verse 17. You bring new witnesses against me and increase your anger towards me. Your forces come against me, wave upon wave. So Job is saying to God, look, you keep piling on the pressure day after day. You see, Job sees himself in a no-win situation. And it's not that he can't see which way to turn. He can only see that there is nowhere for him to turn. He's saying in these words, whether I'm innocent or guilty, I'm doomed. Even my so-called friends are pointing the finger of guilt at me. So when we come through to verse 18 through to 22, Job again is asking this question of God, why was I born? So verse 18, why then did you bring me out of the womb? I wish I had died before any eye saw me. If only I had never come into being or had been carried straight from the womb to the grave. Are not my few days almost over? Turn away from me so that I can have a moment's joy before I go to the place of no return, to the land of gloom and utter darkness, to the land of deepest night, of utter darkness and disorder, where there is, the, where even the light is like darkness. You see, Job is going back to what he's already said in chapter 3 and verse 1, where we read, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. You see, Job is seeing things in a very dark way. Even the things that are ahead of him after death into eternity. Job continues to suffer. For him, there's no sign of relief from his physical pain. His mental state is one of despair and his spiritual state is one of desperation. So, who does he turn to? Well, he turns to God. But here's the thing. Has God answered him? The answer is no. 
So does Job turn away from God? No. What does he do? He pursues God. Has God answered him? No. Does he turn away from God? No. What does he do? He persists and he pesters God. Does God answer him? No. So Job curses the day that he was born. And the question is, will he continue and curse God? Because this is what Satan wants him to do. You know, as we draw so close this evening, this is what I think Job would like to hear. This is from the New Testament. This is from James. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm sure you're familiar with this verse and it is a great encouragement to us but we need to see the depth of this verse in the light of what we've just looked at and in the direction that Job's thoughts are going. You see this promise that we find in James chapter 1 this promise is not that the pain would necessarily go away. The reality is that it might well end in death The promise is the promise of the crown of life that we receive when we are with the Lord in glory. And this is the promise that's given to those who love Jesus. Some things for us to think about. And why don't you read through that chapter again in the light of what we've just looked at. And you know, Job's friend, Zophar is about to speak. Here's the question. Will he bring hope and reinsurance to his friend Job? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you again for this short time we've spent around your word. We know it's a difficult passage, but these are deep things. And our Father, we thank you that you care for us and you love us. And no matter what circumstances we are going through, whatever trials we are called to face. But our Father, we just pray that you will encourage us to continue to turn to you. Even when we don't seem to be receiving answers that we want. But our Father, just guide us in the knowledge that you are in control. That you love us and that you care for us. There is a reason and there is a purpose, even though we might not know the answers. Just help us to continue to praise you as we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.